Bull What If I Soar podcast. With your host, Dominique, licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional and owner of free to be counseling service and Deveron, licensed social worker and certified life coach and owner of Social MacGyver. The thought-provoking podcast that explores the complexity of mental health through a lens that does not require a prescription. We will explore a wide range of topics with engaging discussions and personal anecdotes that provides a realistic outlook while actively engaging in our own self-discovery. Let's get ready to soar together. Hello and welcome back. My name is Dominique Flint. And I am Devron Flint, and welcome back to another episode. But what if I soar? Uh, this is going to be another episode, a part of our series in regards to relationships. And this episode, we are going to be kind of digging deep in regards to your relationship with your siblings. So um, this is going to be interesting. I have two siblings. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And I, interestingly, so I have a twin brother, I have an older sister, a younger brother, and then my father has a a daughter who is about 10 or 11 years younger than me that I just like officially met probably like 13 years ago. So it's been um, interesting, um, you know, having that as a, as a dynamic uh, in my sibling, uh, sibling relationships. <laughs> So we are looking forward to this discussion. I'm definitely looking forward because Dom, as she said, is a twin. So I think that that will definitely um, give us some insight. And then I am a middle child. So, you know, they have all these different sayings and (laughs) beliefs in regards to middle children. Um, (laughs) So I am looking forward to this discussion. So let's jump right in into the questions that we have created for this episode. And the first question is going to be, recall a time when a disagreement with a sibling led to a deeper understanding of each other's personalities? And how did that shape your bond? So I was thinking about this. And um, one thing I remember as a kid, so I have an older sister who's five years older than me. And then I have a younger brother who's seven years younger than me. And I have a twin who was born a minute before me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one thing I always remember my little brother, he would always express as a kid that he didn't feel like he was respected by me. Um, You know, if I would tell him to do something and my sister told him to do something, he would always listen to her. But he I felt like he always gave me pushback and like he would often say he didn't feel respected um, by me. Um, and I, I'm not really sure like what I was doing at that time. Well, I think what I probably was doing was I had this belief very similar to uh, many of our beliefs as kids that like you respect people that are older than you, period, no matter what. Um, and I'm sure I wasn't always the nicest to him. You know, I don't think I was ever like a mean sibling, um, outwardly mean. But I think for when you think about the dynamic of the age gap between all of us, you know, my sister is five years older, uh, you know, we're seven years older than my my little brother. And then my sister is 12 years older than him. So in lots of ways, she acted as like a a mother figure for him. Mm -hmm. And so I think his level of respect for her 
was probably more so seen as like a mother figure versus for me, we were much closer in age, um, but still so far away. Cause when I think about, um, you know, his upbringing, by the time he was like 10 or 11, like we were all out the house. My sister had already moved out, was in, you know, graduated from college. Me and my, my twin were in college and he was like 11 years old. So in lots of ways, he was like the only sibling. He was like the only kid in lots of ways. And so, um, I feel like what he wanted, what, what I think he was trying to express was like, everyone gets to tell me what to do, you know? And I don't, I don't feel this sense of, you know, that I'm a part of this sibling group, right. That everyone is, you know, constantly saying, don't do this or do that, or don't do this. And like, I want to just be in this sibling clique. You know what I mean? I just want to be with y'all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so what it taught me though about my little brother is that he has always been like, um, he's always like kind of walked to the beat of his own drum, like from the time he was a little kid. And I mean, like, like always, there's like never a time that I cannot remember him standing fully in his authenticity, you know, and Mm -hmm. I have always admired that about him mostly because I think it's hard for adults to feel that, um, that level of fearlessness when it comes to like just being yourself. And I, I think he's always been able to show up as his authentic self. And that's always been like super remarkable to me. Um, you know, just, just being a a kid, you know, and, and like figuring that out and, and, and knowing at an early age that like, why would I be anybody else? You know what I mean? Like I should, I mean, like, why, why would I choose to like be like anybody else? I should just be myself. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it has never, even though he may have, he may have had struggles with it in his life. It's always appeared to me anyway, that he has never had any real struggles when it, when it's come to like just showing up as himself. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's it's especially at the stage I am in my life now where I think there, there's, there is nobody else better to be than yourself. Right. Yeah. There is no one else better to show up as than as the most honest and authentic version of you. Um, but I, I know I didn't always feel that way. And in fact, I was like afraid to like be that person and show the world or show my world, like, you know, who I truly was. Um, and so I don't know, I, I've always been, um, pleased at being able to witness that from him. So if it, it, what it taught me, um, or just learning more about him, it just taught me like what a great gift that you could give to yourself by just mm-hmm being yourself and not, and I'm sure like he's had reservations about it and has, you know, had deep thoughts about it. But I mean, I, I think he's always still chosen to show up as himself and I've always found that to be very remarkable. So what about you? So I think the disagreement would be me and my younger sibling had I want to say like after my mom passed, we were having like one of our deep combative (laughs) um, interactions and um, she made it clear to me that 
she oftentimes will want my advice or insight on something and then I will give it to her or I will um, kind of like talk to her, um, parent her pretty much. But what I learned was like, then she would get mad that I was parenting her. And um, it was like very confusing. And I think because we grew up in a sense where my mom was not always present, um, me and my other sibling, my older sibling would basically interchange our roles of sometimes being the sibling, but also sometimes being the caretaker. Um, And acting in that caretaking role, not really clearly not knowing what we should be doing, but, you know, trying to do it as best as possible. And so I grew up with my older sister, basically, you know, caring for, for me and being the person who, kind of put safeguards in place to make sure, you know, that there was something to eat. You know, if I needed school clothes, she was making sure that happened and um, just being responsible when, you know, our person who was supposed to be responsible was not being responsible. Um, And so then that kind of, I was accepting of her being in that role, but my younger sister I think that she wanted that, but she also resented that it was coming from us and not from our mother. And so (laughs) there was like this love-hate type of relationship where it's like she wanted a caregiver. um, And oftentimes she wanted us to give her insight, but she also wanted a sibling and she didn't want us to be the parents. Um, And so it oftentimes led to a very complicated and combative interaction. Um, And finally, it kind of came to the point where like, I was like, look, I don't know what you want from me. One minute you're saying you want this and I'm doing that. And you, you want me to be making all these decisions for you and, and basically doing things that a parent should do. And you're now an adult and you're a parent yourself. Um, and then the next minute you're mad because I'm giving you guidance. Like, you don't know what the hell you want. Like you, mm-hmm. you clearly are confused, right? And it it's leading to you just not being sure what you're asking for and, and being upset with what you're getting. And she basically said the same thing. She was just like, I want a parent, but I don't want you to be my parent. Like I'm mad mm. that you are having to be the parent. I want my mom. And now you know, my mom was never fully able to fulfill all of the the expectations she had for the role of a caretaker. But then now it was really clear that she could never do that because she had passed. And so there was a lot of things that were unsaid. There were a lot of uh, wounds that were not healed between her and my mother. And so she was taking it out on me and I had nothing, there was nothing that I could do. And then obviously my relationship with my mom was very different than the relationship that my siblings had with my mother um, because they both also had their own issues as adults. Um, And my mom was seeing their behaviors as mirrors to her own struggles that she had as being a parent. And so it was more of a complex relationship. And so, I will say like that was a very open and honest interaction 
I don't know how much it shaped our relationship because like I said, I think that the expectation was not one that I could, like she was clear about and that I could actually do anything about it. But it was good to hear like that she was confused because I was confused at like what she wanted. I was trying to meet her where she was asking, but it was never where she was satisfied with it. And I realized like it was something internally that she was struggling with, which helped give clarity of, you know, of that. But um, I think that was helpful in fully seeing what she was struggling with. Um, But also knowing like she had to do her own internal work. Like I couldn't heal that for her. Right. Yeah. No, good, good example. So second question is uh, share a favorite childhood memory with your siblings that embodies the unique connection only siblings share. Can't wait to hear this one. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things, me and my older sibling were really close um, growing up. Like I said, we experienced a lot of things together. Um, And we had like very open and honest interactions. And I think with my younger sister, a lot of it was like trying to shield her from some of the experiences that we were having. But I was thinking about this. And one time I remember uh, I was a golden girl, which is like a dance um, person for our football team. And it was senior night. And at the time, my older sister was living in Florida. Um, and like I said, we were very close and I was like really missing her. And I just remember, um, senior night, everybody was there, you know, my family had shown or whatever. And my parents had surprised me with my sister. She showed up on senior night and I just remember seeing her and like running off the field and hugging her, like literally boohoo crying, like that she had, like she was there and like just being so excited to see her because me, it had been me and her like against the world. Like, you know, we for so many times had went through things that no one even had a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, we kept a lot of things secret. And so it was like we were living this life that only few people had insight about. So when I saw her, I was just like someone who fully gets me, like is here. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just missed her so much. And I just remember yeah. like feeling like, oh my gosh, like this person is back in my life who like who fully gets me mm-hmm. and my complicatedness and knows like, you know. I'm bossy, but there's a reason for it. And, you know, I'm guarded, but there's a re like, she just, she just is someone who got me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, like, it would be one of the things where I didn't have to say much. And like, even my mom used to tell stories, like we were like freaking black, like, you know, for a long time, they thought that I had a speech issue. Like I wasn't ever going to be able to speak because I wouldn't talk, but it was because my older sister would talk for me. Like mm. so there was no reason for me to talk, you know, like she just, she just got me in ways that other people didn't. Um, and so like, I just vividly, as soon as I read that question, I was like, I just remember like that senior, senior night seeing her and just was like my person, like she was my person and like yeah. she was back in my life. And, you know, it was, it was just such a good feeling to like have someone who just gets you without, you know, you having to say much at that mm-hmm. point, I felt like she was the person. Yeah. 
That's a good story. That's a really good story, especially, you know, there's so sibling relationships are just can be so complicated. And it sounds like in lots of ways, while your um your childhood experiences were complicated, your relationship wasn't that complicated, right? It was just, yeah. you know, you 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 had somebody who fully and completely understood you, you know what I mean? Um almost like you said, I didn't even have to say anything. They just they just understood. And and how much relief does that feel, especially in a world that is already so complicated? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It was definitely a good feeling. What about you? So this is pretty funny. So <laughs> my siblings and I growing up, my mom is a movie buff and she back in the day, some of y'all kids won't won't remember, won't get it, but they used to put these movies on these discs called DVDs. <laughs> and before that, they were on these big, thick things called VHSs that went into this, you know, little contraption. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my mom was such a movie buff and she would have like, she had hundreds and hundreds of DVDs. And we always joke now because we say like we have movie of the week, like every week. Right. Mm-hmm. And as kids, there were lots of movies of the week that were very, very inappropriate, but like we watched them anyway. Yeah. So like at young ages, we were watching like speed and a time to kill and like all these movies that we shouldn't have been watching. Okay. We yeah. shouldn't have been watching. Like I remember vividly, in the movie Speed, this guy called this other guy a prick. And I remember saying it. My mom was like, you can't say that. And like, growing up now, I'm like, why the hell was I even watching it? Because I shouldn't yes. even be watching it. Yes. <laughs> so oh, anyway, so many movies like that. So anyway, we joke about it. But the funny thing about us is that my twin was notorious for like rewinding and like rehe- re- like replaying like what was in that scene. And so yeah. we all got accustomed to like re- rewinding movies and then like getting into character. Like <laughs> like literally every I mean money talks, liar liar. I mean liar liar is like one of our like family oh, favorites. Yeah. And like we will we know them lines in and out front <laughs> to back still like we know them lines. And so sometimes when, when we're together, we would like, somebody would just throw out a line from a movie and we would just get in the character and like, we would just start rehearsing and like getting in the character and knowing all the lines. And it's just so funny because Again, that's just one of the ways that we connected um, mm-hmm. as kids. Um, again, like I said, my mom was movie buff, and we just any movie, um, you know, that we could get our hands on that we would watch constantly. I mean, even like another another one is like uh, a few good men. We would watch mm-hmm. a few good men all the time, and we would like literally get in the character, like in the scene where they're they're in court, and like oh my goodness, like it like makes me laugh just thinking about it right now. Because that was just our thing. Like, it was just our thing. Like, we we knew all the lines and we got in the character. And, like, it was just, a, it was just such a, it's such a memorable and light experience um, or light memory, rather, mm-hmm. of, like, my childhood and, like, how we 
loved movies and even though they might have been a little bit inappropriate like we found ways to just have fun with it um Mm. so that's probably like the biggest uh biggest memory where I know that was like one of our our deep connections as siblings yeah I love that I love that and I I have to laugh because my kiddos know about uh VHS because my mom VHS players too Uh, okay so they get it they they are fully aware of that, you know, and DVD players. My mom actually have portable DVD players See? for Brian and Brayden. And it's still in our uh, basement. And then we had, like, Mercy was making fun of her. Because he was like, why did your mom have a box of DVDs? Like, I do not sell DVDs anymore. Like, uh-huh. So I always laugh when people talk about that because I'm like, these kids know all about that because my mom was old school. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very old school. But I love that. I love that. So the next question is, have you ever felt a sense of competition with your siblings? How has that dynamic evolved? And what positive aspects have emerged from it? So this one, this one was kind of hard for me because... I don't ever remember feeling like I was in competition with my siblings. But when I when I thought about it deeper, I do think that with me and my twin, there were competition. There was competition, but I think it was more so like, you know, there's always this idea that when there's twins, there's the good twin and then there's the bad twin. Mm-hmm. And I do think in lots of ways we were fed that idea of like, you know, Dominic's the good twin and, you know, Dom's the bad twin. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't think I knew it at the time, but I do think that there's a lot of positive reinforcement that you get from being a good kid. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, you hear it all the time, like, oh, they're so good. You know, they get good grades, like all these, you know, and and I think what parents don't realize, what adults don't realize when they're doing that is obviously, I don't think that they're a- attempting to create a complex for their kid or for the kids in their life. But I do think that what that did to me was like, it did a couple of things. Number one, it allowed me to see him as the bad twin, right? And to like mm-hmm. buy into that. Um, don't get me wrong. He was difficult, you know what I mean? Growing up, there were some moments where he was difficult, but I think it, it minimizes the fullness of that person when you only see them in one way or mm-hmm. when you are framing your experience of that person in one way. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, he, he was challenging as to be his sister was difficult for sure. And I'm sure being his mother was difficult for sure. Like I don't take that away, but I think that's the first thing that it did for our relationship is it, it allowed me to buy into that and to not see him fully, right. To see him as like this complicated person, like all of us. Um, and I think, I think the other thing that it did to our relationship or what the other thing that it did to me was it created this like perfectionism complex, right? Where mm-hmm. like I, you get so much positive reinforcement. And again, I don't think that the, the adults in my life were attempting to do that, 
But when you see the negative reinforcements that your twin is getting from being this quote unquote bad, bad person, bad kid, bad individual, you want to be so far removed from that because you see the reinforcement that is attached to that behavior, right? Uh And so I think it created this complex of like perfectionism in me um, where not only was I, I was a good kid. I was a good student. Like I was like, like good was always the way that people would describe me. Um, I think it doesn't leave room for people to see that person who is so good as so human, right? That I'm not going to always be good. You know what I mean? That there are going to be moments where I am, I'm not living up to this expectation that you all have like kind of created for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think, I think in my um, adult life, I've gotten so much better at the perfectionism stuff, but I think I definitely had lots of struggles with perfectionism, you know, trying to create a life where I made the least amount of mistakes. Um, and, and if I think about it, I think some of it was that I, I, I don't think I was fully prepared to pivot when something bad did happen, you know, if something bad did happen. So I was always so hyper fixated and so preoccupied with like, how can I, like, how can I do this thing perfectly? Or how can I just, how can I be thoughtful and like, you know, overanalyze these situations so that I am reducing, you know, the moments where, you know, my humanity shows up, right? Cause I'm going to make a mistake. It's just, it's just no way around it. But I don't think that I, I had that understanding because there was so much positivity attached to being this good kid, being this good person, um, that I think I oftentimes struggle with like showing that other side to other people too, you know, because there is so there, there was so much associated with like not being good and not being worthy, you know? Um, but I think what I, I learned though, is that my, my twin is just, he is just, him and my sister are just competitive people by nature. Like that's just who they are. So Mm -hmm. while I don't think that you know, he has always said, like, we were always competitive. And I was like, y'all was competing with yourselves. I wasn't in that. <laughs> like, I wasn't involved. I like, <laughs> that was y'all. But my brother is just, he, him and my sister are just competitive. That That is just who they are. It does not matter what they are competing about. It could be sports. It could be who can read the fastest, who can run the farthest. Like, it don't even matter. Like, that's just who they are at their core. And I had to accept that it's okay that I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not, that's just not who I am. I mean, I've been in situations where like I I played competitive sports. It wasn't like I didn't have any, um, any, any experiences where, you know, my competitiveness could have been stretched. It just, I just didn't care. You know what I mean? I just wasn't for me. Um, but I, I think my 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 younger brother is more like me. Where I don't think he's he's not as competitive, you know, around stuff like that. So I don't know if he I don't know what his experiences have been. But I just know that you know I just had to accept that, like you know, if I'm competing with anybody, I'm like more so like trying to outdo me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How can I improve something that? you know, I, what goal can I set and am, am I going to be able to achieve that? And how can I maybe outdo that goal? It's it's never, I've never 
felt the need to compete with other people, even my siblings. It's just not, but I, like I said, I think what I did do was I bought into the competitiveness of like good twin, bad twin. And I think that that did definitely play a role um, in our relationship. But I think like once we went to college, we got so much closer, you know what I mean? Cause like in elementary school and in high school, we were not, <laughs> we, we were like oil and water, like yeah. literally. And it's so funny because, you know, you mentioned that your sister spoke for you um, when you were little. Well, me and my twin, we didn't even really speak full words until we were like four years old. And my mom was always so worried, but we had our own language. My mom used to mm-hmm. always talk about how we talked to each other. He would say, <laughs> and I would just crack up laughing. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what the hell he's saying, but she laughing <laughs> and vice versa. Right. Like, so we had our own little language. Mm-hmm. And so we were really, really close when we were kids. And then when we went to kindergarten, our first year, we went to kindergarten together. We were in class together. And after that year, my mom said, you cannot ever have them in the same class again. So we were <laughs> never in the same class again from like first grade to sixth grade. And then obviously in high school, you know, you might be in the same class. It just depends. And mm-hmm. so we had classes together, but our lockers were by each other. And if like we were feuding from like the morning before yeah. we got to school and then we had to like be next to each other at the lockers. Like it was just, I mean, there are literally stories that teachers can tell you about. We would be arguing outside the classroom. They would come outside and see that it was me and him and they would just go back <laughs> in the classroom. I mean, like we were literally like oil and water. So we definitely created a much stronger bond once we went to college and we were like creating our own identity, right? There wasn't mm-hmm. this like, twin identity anymore because we weren't with each other, you know? So, um, you know, I think it allowed for us to like have a, a relationship that was, um, that was, uh, not attached to that identity of like being twins. So Mm -hmm. what about you? So I think, you know, for me and my older sibling, I think it was different, um, than you and your brother. So, it was where my older sister was always so intelligent and could do no wrong. And, you know, she played sports. I wasn't a sports person. And um, I was always compared to her. So, like, um, it, she was a grade ahead of me. So every time I would go into another teacher's class after she had been there the year before, they would always be speaking so highly of her. She was so smart and da 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 and so a way I would combat that was I would just be the complete opposite. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I was the talker. I was like, I didn't care. You know, I was just, and I was like never disrespectful, but I was just like, you know, my sister just had like these very high expectations and I felt like I could never meet them. And so like, I was not even going to try. Um and so, you know, I don't think that I was ever in competition with her because I never wanted to be like this, you know, high regarded person. But I think what it did was is that, you know, everyone had these high expectations for her. And then when she graduated and, you know, her life didn't actually look the way that people felt like it should, it didn't match. Um, I think it created competition between us, but where I wasn't like an active player. Um, but like, uh, I always like, I can laugh at this now, but obviously during the time it wasn't like laughable, but 
Um, the expectation for me was not very high. Like, you know, I was told by family members, like, I was probably going to be the one who graduated. If I even graduated, you know, got with a drug dealer, probably had a baby. There just wasn't oh. a lot of expectations for me. It wasn't an expectation for me to go to college. Um, I actually only started thinking about college because I had a good friends who were going to college. And a guidance counselor was like, oh, because I was, you know, poor, there was like um, scholarships or um, these, I would say scholarships or some type of certificate where I could like sit for the SATs and the ACT and not the pay. And so I kind of like just found out going into my senior year about like FAFSA and like how if you didn't have money, like you could probably go to school for free. And I looked at it and it was taught to me like it was a way of like escaping what my situation was. And so that's how I actually got invested in college. Um, whereas my sister was talking about college because she was so intelligent. And, mm. and when I look back, like obviously we had looked at different things. Like a lot of people poured into her. She was the oldest and she had a lot of responsibilities because of what was going on at home. Mm-hmm. And I was more focused on my mom and loving her and trying to be there for her and not being so worried about like school too much because it just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, when we graduated and my sister did not go to college and I did, um, it was very different. And I think like, because a lot of the things that I experienced were things that they, my sister felt like people were telling her she should have done. There was like this invisible competition. Um, and every time I would meet some type of like, um, you know, new accomplishment. It was like, a, oh, wow, you did that. Like, we weren't really thinking that that would be you. Mm. Um, and I feel like for my sister, it was like I was living the life that she felt like she, you know, was told would be her life. Um, and a lot of her things that she was doing was more so what I was supposed to be doing, you know, trying to find myself and things like that. And so, like, I feel like that kind of created this battle. Um, and I think that it impacted our relationship because it strained it. Like, like I said, for senior year, I was so excited because my person was back. But then, you know, her life just didn't line up the way that she was told it should. Um, and I think that there was a lot of like internal conflict um, and resentment towards me um, that definitely impacted our relationship and strained it. And I, to this day, don't think we've been able to fully recover from that um, because I have continued to accomplish new things that typically weren't something that was sought for me. Um, And even me, like I said, like I didn't start thinking about college until going into my senior years and it was just to a way of escaping. And now I'm someone who, you know, has two degrees, got my master's and, you know, have multiple licensures and, and certifications and education is so big to me, um, which is not who I was in high school. Um, and then even like, you know, being married, like I didn't care about a relationship. I didn't want a relationship. I always said I was going to be single, you know, and now, you know, my older sister, she's always wanted like a family and a husband. And again, just like, 
these ideas that I think people have instilled in her of what she should have done and her not meeting those things, um, I think has brought about a lot of regret and just, um, I don't want to say being envious, but I just feel like it's created this, this falsity of competition, um, that really strained Mm -hmm. our relationship. Um, because in her mind, I think that she looks at it as like, I don't want to say she reduces what I've gotten, but I will say like her and my sister at times have like tried to discount my accomplishments by saying like, you know, certain people have handed me things, which is not true, but it's just a way to like reduce what I've been able to accomplish. And then at times they're excited for me, but it's not like the full excitement. So I would just say like other people's expectations and um, what they spoke in our life has definitely impacted our relationship and how we view our accomplishments. And, you know, people definitely, external people definitely try to set the tone for what we, our life should have been like. And when it didn't meet that expectation, it definitely played a role in how we view ourselves. So I would say like that, that definitely has been an impact. That sucks, especially if, you know, you go from, you know, fully being seen by this person who fully gets you and, and is, is like your person, right? And then you go from that to it not being that way. And it, it sucks because I think you said it good that like they poured into her because she was the oldest and there was all these reasons why they, they may have poured into her. Um, I think my, my challenge with that is like, but why, why are we just pouring into one person? Like there's so like, why couldn't, why couldn't you get that same energy and it not be, you know, it could, it didn't have to create this competitiveness where like you both could have had those experiences and like, who, like, you know, if one of us is going to college or one of us is is taking that life, why? What's what's the problem with both of us doing it? You know, like yeah. it, it it sucks that it sucks that sometimes we as adults have all these expectations for people for for kids, and we don't create space for the idea that like what we want for them may not be what actually happens for them. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that like you all thought that her being a, going to college because she was so smart was like her, it was, it was her dream. It was what, what you all saw for her. But so what the, 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 the encouragement stopped because she didn't live up to that. Like she still like, you know, it, it's just a reminder that, like, as a as an adult or as a parent, it's not your job to like put all these dreams that you have for your kid onto them. It is your job to create space for them to figure out whatever it is they want to do and yeah. support that. Support that. So you decided that you wanted to be in college and you wanted to focus on your academics and education, and that wasn't supported because no one saw that in you. You know, like, it, it's yeah. just, it sucks that, like, you know, and again, very opposite of your sister, you weren't the nerd, you weren't the brainiac, but, like, you decided, 
in a short time, they're like, okay, maybe I could try the school thing. Like, you know, like why couldn't that have also been supported? You know, like it, 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 I don't know. It, it sucks that we as adults just make, we make things more complicated for kids than it actually has to be, you know? Yeah. And I think just like the expectation, like I said, like, you know, even when I have accomplished things, it's kind of like a shock, you know? Um, and, and again, there's like jokes that are made to it, but you know, like behind every joke, there's like truth, right? Oh, for um, sure. But I also think like for her, it's like, you know, when she has accomplished things, it's like, oh, like this is what's to be expected. Like you're intelligent. Like, and when she has, you know, fallen short, it's been like, you know, you're too intelligent for this, you know, whereas if I would have done it, it probably would have been like that with the expectation, right? Like when I meet something, it's like, oh, we didn't think you would do this. But when she does something, it's like, well, this is what the expectation is. So I think like it limits us both and it and it mm-hmm. impacts us both in different ways um, yeah. to, you know, not allow her for her to feel like she has to be, you know, perfect and she has mm-hmm. a certain expectation. But for me, it also has led me to be like, you know, self-doubt, right? Like, you know, am I even mm-hmm. supposed to be here? Things like that. So I think like it just it it's a two part type of thing. Um yeah. for both of us that, you know, unfortunately has has definitely impacted our relationship with that like I said, the, the invisible competition. I'm, I'm not in competition with my siblings, but I feel like certain expectations have been put out there that has, have definitely played a role in our interaction and our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question is, can you remember a time when a conflict with a sibling taught you something important about yourself or your family? Hmm. I got a good one for this. <laughs> um, so I would say uh, conflict. So I would say one of the things that is a a conflict that is more so ongoing with my siblings is like my siblings have kind of taken on taken on this idea that my mom had like family is family but also in a more so I'm trying to figure out how I can say this in like the best way possible but I'm just gonna mm-hmm. say it. more so like I don't want to say like a two-faced way but like family is family but like saying one thing you know in front of them and then saying another thing behind their back um, so like, for instance, my two sisters will defend each other, um, and do stuff together. And then when it comes out, they'll put the other person like, well, this person did this, like, and put them out on front street. Mm. When it's like, you guys are both doing bad right now or both not making great decisions. Like, yeah. so really it's not like a, who is better. Right. Um, and that's definitely something that at times I found myself like, so my older sister was always like the caregiver and like the protective person. But now I feel like I've kind of grown to be that for them, like always trying to be like the parent. But because I'm not naturally that, um, 
it's seen more with like conflict and it's seen more with resentment. So there's been a lot of like conflict around that of like coming to me for guidance or wanting me to kind of help them out of the situation, but then also resenting me because they're not in that place that they used to be or feeling like they should be the ones giving insight, even though like their situation just doesn't call for it right now. Um, so I would say like that has definitely taught me the importance of like where they've taken on that idea of what my mom and my grandmother kind of taught us is like family is family, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and I don't kind of subscribe to that. So um, we're always in, you know, conflict with that of like, if you're hurting me, I don't care if you're my family, like this is hurtful and, and I just don't want to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. withdrawing myself, where like my two siblings love each other and, and love me, but then they've done really hurtful things to each other and, and to me. And just feeling like at times I feel like they can minimize those um, impacts. And so, like, when you're trying to be honest with yourself and honest about the interaction, they oftentimes are like, dismissing it or mm-hmm. reducing the impact so i think like that's definitely something that they've learned from my mom and my grandmother and even my grandfather like my grandfather would always tell us like that's your sister like you only get one sister that was a big thing that my mom was saying mm. my mother and my grandfather and like my grandfather would always tell me like you know you are you're stronger and so like you have to like be the one to like tell them and help them. And I'm like, but why, like, why do I have to bear bear this responsibility? You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't want to bear that responsibility. It's not fair to put that on me, but that's definitely something that my siblings have gotten from our older caretakers and, and they've kind of tweaked it to, to look the way that they want it to look. So like I said, it, it sometimes looks like, a conflict within itself because it's like one minute we'll do things together like that's my sister and then the next minute I'm kind of telling someone about you and putting you as the person who's solely responsible or you know yeah I did this but like this person did this and it's way worse so, like pay attention to that mm. and that's what I'm not doing right so, yeah what about you so if you haven't already gotten the the memo. Um, my twin and I were like oil and water. Um, but I will say he was like oil and water with everybody. It wasn't just me. So I'm not special. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just so happens that I was his twin, you know? So I think it may have stung a little bit more with me than it did with other people, but he, he didn't discriminate. Okay. So he was oil and water with me, but he was like that with everybody. And so as a kid, um, I got a big bark, but my bite isn't that big. Okay. So I'm a bark at you, but like, I'm a lover. I don't really want to fight, you know, that's not, you know, and so lots of interactions that we would have, it would be me defending myself. It was, it was never me starting a fight first. Cause I just, I just wasn't that way. Um, and so we, obviously we bumped heads a lot and he bumped heads with all of us. That, that just was his personality. Um, and so things definitely got better for us when we 
became adults. Like I said, when we went to college, you know, we, we got a lot closer. Um, but my brother has had his struggles in life, you know, both emotionally, you know, and he's, he's had his struggles in life. And so during those struggles that he's had, um, I think what we have all struggled with as a family is, and what I've learned is that like, I think I had mentioned in our previous episode that like, we are not really good with like boundaries. Um, I think that's twofold where we struggle with sharing too much and like this enmeshment that we experience as a family. But I think we also struggle with like the understanding that while I do have unconditional love for you, I also have boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And that sometimes it's not okay for me to allow you to harm me verbally, physically, whatever, mm-hmm. under the guise of, but that's your brother or that's your, you know, because that stuff wasn't often said. It was said sometimes, but I think it was more of a, of a, a lifestyle, like that we just decided that we're not going to set the boundary and like, we're not going to like get rid of you. Right. And we're going to always and forever. I mean, my sister moved out when she was like 20 and, or when she was 18, she had an apartment, she owned a home, two homes. And like literally all of us have lived with her at one point or another, whether it was me when I got out of college, whether it was my brother when he was 16 and got kicked out cause he was difficult <laughs> Whether it was my little brother when he came home from school, like we often lived with my sister. And again, to me, the expectation was like, you're the oldest, you have to be available, right? And to me, that goes back to like the boundary, right? That we were not taught to respect. My sister was also married during a lot of this, right? So like me as a married woman, I'm like, I would never just let y'all just come stay with me. Like, no. But that expectation was just like, you're the oldest. I don't care that you're married. Like, it, it mm-hmm. was never said like that. But I think the expectation was, you're the oldest. You, like, yeah, you you have your own family and all that. But, like, you're still a part of this family. And this family requires you to, like, not set boundaries and not require us to respect any boundaries. I mean, it was so bad that, like... <laughs> My sister lived next door to my grandmother and like we were in and out of her house all day, every day, like to the point where she would leave her door unlocked because we was always, we never called her. We never knocked. I mean, we was just some disrespectful kids. Like we just, we did not, we were never taught that like boundaries are necessary. So I say all that to say that there was one incident that me and my brother got into and like for the first time I felt so strong and I was just like, you ain't gonna talk to me like that. And if we, you don't respect me, then we ain't gonna talk. And blah, 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 blah. and it was, I think it was the first time that there were actual boundaries that were, now I clearly could have done this in a, a, a better way, but the, the idea behind this conversation was you're being disrespectful to me. You're being harmful to me. You're speaking to me in a way that I don't receive. And until you figure that out, we don't need to talk. We won't talk. 
right? And so I think in our family, that is new, especially when it comes to setting boundaries with him. Because I think for much of my childhood, when he would engage in these behaviors that were harmful and physical and just abusive, much of the conversation was, you're better than that. You don't need to stoop to his level. Mm-hmm. He has a lot going on or he's a handful. And like every time you stoop to his level, you're going to get in trouble too. And at, mm-hmm. it was those moments where I never felt like I could set a boundary and say like, no, he could, he shouldn't be able to talk to me like that. He shouldn't be able to put his hands on me. Like this shouldn't happen. You know, and so it was like the first time as an adult where I was like, you know, what? I don't give a fuck what y'all talking about. He ain't going to be talking to me like that. And I don't care that he's, I don't care who he is. Like if he can't learn to have some tact and some respect and some restraint, then we will not have a conversation. We will not talk. And it was the first time that like, and he was using all his tactics, all his tactics that he used to use, but and it, it just was not doing anything. I was like, I don't. That shit ain't doing nothing to me. I don't care. We won't talk. We won't talk. And so I felt, but as I, as I think about it as an adult, I think that in, in how, how much of a disservice do we do to the people that we love when we excuse their behavior and we don't say that is inappropriate. It is not okay for you to talk to me that way. It's not okay for you to speak to me that way. It's not okay for you to disregard me in that way. Like, we're not doing people a service when we do that because they go out into the real world and they soon realize that everyone is not going to tiptoe around you because you have struggles that you're going through a lot. We all are going through a lot and we all live on this earth together and we have to be respectful of each other. And that's something that I think was so hard for him to, and I think at times still is challenging if I'm being honest. I think that he's so much better than he was back then. And I think that's the goal, right? The goal is to, you know, not be the same person you were 20 years ago. And I don't think that he is. I do think though, us not setting boundaries and setting expectations of how we're going to be treated. And remember, boundaries are not for the other person. They're for you, right? It's a way for you to keep yourself safe. It's a way to, it's a way, it's a way for you to keep your relationship intact right because if there are no boundaries then everything's a shit show things are a free-for-all right and that's the way that his relationship was allowed to be in our life because again that's your brother you know what I mean or he's x y and z or he's going through a b and c and it's like so the fuck are all of us like that's (laughs) just you know if there's no and I think I think the challenge is also like how do we set those boundaries And because I think the challenge for a lot of people is, um, I think we get confused that like unconditional love does not mean that I'm going to let you do all of these things to me. And then in spite of that, I have to still love you. Like boundaries does not mean a lack of love. It means like that I am showing you that I love myself too, right? That I care for myself too. And that these things are not conducive for me. Right. And so, I think that that was like the first time that I was like, yeah, we really struggle here. Like we struggle with like setting boundaries and we struggle with like what we think those boundaries mean about how we view that person. Right. And and that we have to get c- more clear about what it means to set a boundary and what it doesn't mean. Because as long as we're not setting boundaries in these relationships with him or with anybody in our immediate family, 
we are, you know, continuing to create this idea that like, you know, your feelings don't matter and that like you have to overlook them to safeguard like this family that isn't a family if you can't be honest and you can't, you know, express your disdain or your, your frustration, you know what I mean? Or what you need to feel whole and complete in that relationship, you know? Um, the first, right. So it was the first, it was the first, one of the first moments as I, as an adult where I, where I felt like this is not okay. Like this is, (laughs) this is not okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you had that moment to kind of speak up for yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, even if you feel like you could have done something a little bit differently, I think it's important that we set the tone of what's acceptable because it's also teaching that loved one that they can be themselves, but they have to also do work to be in a relationship. And I think like, that's definitely something that my siblings have struggled with and it's because of their interactions and, and people normalizing certain problematic behaviors of being mm-hmm. like, you know, again, we learn from our interactions. And so with our mom, you know, and her struggles, it was very normalized and like, this is your mother. And for her, her own interactions with other family members, it was normalized. And then, you know, with my siblings, it was normalized and it was, it's, it did not serve anybody. And I, I'm very adamant to any relationship that I have in my life has to be a two way street. It, mm-hmm. it cannot be where people are driving the wrong way on a one way street. Like it's just, it's just not conducive to anyone. And so, um, it's something that I'm very adamant about that we both have like filling something for each other. And mm-hmm. if it's not, then it's not a relationship I want to invest in. And it's not a relationship that I want to participate in. And right. if you have a one way street. It just does not need to be on my map. Like facts, <laughs> facts. So. Right. Right. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next question, I don't have an answer for this one. So I don't know if you do. Um, I guess me and my siblings never teamed up against nobody. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm sure you and your siblings have though. Uh, So (laughs) this question (laughs) is discuss a moment when you and your, your siblings teamed up to overcome a challenge. How did that experience strengthen your relationship? So I would say like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say we teamed up against anyone, but I will say like in growing up the way that we did, there was definitely times where we had to kind of come together and overcome challenges. So like when my mom was actively in her addiction, sometimes we kept it a secret when my mom would do certain things. And so like, you know, there was times when my mom would use up all of the food stamps and there was like no food in the house. Um, times when she, you know, used up all the money and there was no money for shopping and things like that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we did. So when we were growing up, my mom had a boyfriend who she eventually married and he had his own kids. And so we had um, my two stepsisters. And I remember my older stepsister, she had a job 
and she worked at like a restaurant and she would bring us like leftovers and stuff from her job so we could to make sure like we had something to eat and then I you know can't say I'm proud of this but like her and my older sister would also like make sure we had school clothes like we didn't go without um if there was no money in the household so I would say like we teamed up in regards to things like that like making Mm -hmm. sure none of us went without um and really just teamed up to like be like a united front so no one truly knew what was going on in our household um, we really had each other's backs in in that aspect of just like stepping up and if there was not food in the household, like, you know, just doing whatever we needed. Like, you know, my older sister making sure like we, my younger sister was like taking a bath and, you know, doing her hygiene, even if my mom and them were like busy doing other things. And so like, we definitely were um, able to team up to make sure that things continue to move forward as mm-hmm. needed. So I, I would say like that's the way we teamed up when we were growing okay. up. It's just like filling in the void of our our caretakers and mm-hmm. you know just doing that. And I mean obviously we did that too with like sneaking out and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure y'all did. You know, <laughs> teaming up in that aspect too of like, you know, where I go, you go, you know, the buddies. Mm-hmm. Go. But um, right, right. Yeah. But like just making sure like we, my, my sister and my stepsister did a really good job just making sure like, Look, hey, one pony don't stop the show. Like, mm-hmm. school clothes, we gonna make sure you got some school clothes, you know. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah. That's love though, you know, like that's y'all, you know, got to it, it, there were not great circumstances, but you all decided, okay, how are we gonna figure this out? You know, we're gonna figure exactly. it out together, you know, and that that builds a sense of like that builds a sense of connection that says no matter what we're going through, that we, we have each other. We're going to figure it out together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone in this situation. I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, exactly. So, yeah. So the next question is describe an instance when you felt misunderstood by a sibling, how did you work towards resolving it? And what did you learn about effective communication? So this one is good. Um, I, for some reason, I know the reason now, but the I have, it, it, for whatever reason, I've created this illusion uh, to my siblings that, like, I always have it together, that everything is hunky-dory over here, and, that, you know, shit just lines up perfectly, and, <laughs> you know, and um, what it forced me to, to consider was, like, why do they have that perception of me? Like, why do they think that, like... I don't struggle that I don't, you know, I'm not riddled with anxiety and overthinking and like perfectionism. Like, why do they not see that? You know? And I had to realize like, it's the thing that I'm, I show them what I'm out for, for a time I was showing them what I felt most comfortable showing them, Mm -hmm. which was that I did have it all together. And that, you know, even when I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel I don't want to say I didn't feel safe, but for some reason I didn't feel the need or the desire to show that side of me that was falling apart, you know, that was struggling Mm -hmm. with, you know, anxiety or struggling with, um, you know, you know, all of the things that I was struggling with, you know, like I'm 
I've not lived a life that did not, that wasn't filled with struggle, that it wasn't filled with, even if it wasn't struggle that they were experiencing, it was still my own struggle. And I think it's a part of that perfectionism, right? It's like not wanting to reveal that because, because what people don't know or what they don't see is that, yeah, there is a, a component of self-criticism that you have when you are battling with, with perfectionism. But the other thing that you're, you are battling with is creating this image of perfectionism and how exhausting that can be for yourself, right? Where you are so afraid to show this side of you that is struggling and that doesn't have all the answers, who doesn't have it all together. Like you don't want to show that because that, that um, image is, it goes against this idea that you're just, you got it all together, right? And everything is fine. Um, and so I had a friend say it to me too, one time too, like, she's like, you just seem like everything would be good with you all the time. And I'm like, girl, if you only knew that it don't be good all the time. <laughs> right. But part of it is like, no one is a mind reader, right? So like, just because you're going through those things doesn't mean that they're going to just know it. And if you don't share it, then how can people see you for the complex human that you are? If you are either deliberately or not, right, you are concealing this part of yourself from people. And so what I had to do was just be honest. You know, so I think like I had, you know, I think my little brother had mentioned it before. And they, even my twin, like they they always say or have said like, you know, they allude to that. Like you have it all together. And I, and I had to just say like, I really don't like, I just have found different ways of, of getting over it or of, of dealing with it, of, of addressing it. But like, I don't want you all to think that like shit is just sweet over here. Cause it's, it's really not like, I just have my own struggles that I'm, I may not be vocal about, but then I had to start saying to myself, like, if you really want a real connection with your siblings, you may have to reveal that part of you, you know, whatever you feel safe sharing. Right. But like, just telling them that you're struggling isn't enough. Like they need to know, you know, in some capacity, like, what does that look like for you? What does struggle for you look like? You know, because otherwise they will continue to see you as somebody who doesn't struggle or, you know, is just, everything is good. And it's, it just isn't because life isn't, good all the time. Um, but for whatever reason, I felt uncomfortable, like revealing that, you know, sharing that side of myself. So it just forced me to consider why they were having that perception and not get offense, not get defensive about it, but just consider like, you know, what could you be doing in terms of effectively sharing with them that like, this isn't true. This isn't true for you that this is just it's just not true, right? That you you do have your own struggles, you know? And so um, I think things have gotten better in that area since I have, you know, been willing to be more open and honest about it. I like that. I definitely like that. What about you? So I would say kind of like similar to yours, but <laughs> more so of having this illusion of of. Strength. I mean, I I do feel like I'm a very strong person, yeah. and I, I don't always wear my emotions on my sleeves. 
Um, but I am a very emotional person. Um, but I normally deal with it internally. I don't really let people see my, you know, if you hurt me, it normally would come off as anger. Um, you know, in a being a reactive type of person. Um, if I'm hurt, I normally am not going to let you see me cry. I'm I'm probably going to go and do that, you know, in the privacy of my room or whatever. Um, and what I've learned is that sometimes people feel like because I don't fully let people see the vulnerability of myself and the limitations of myself, that they just feel like I'm just this strong person that they could just put everything on and come to me for everything. And it's not reasonable. Um, And I also feel like in the past, it has caused my siblings to come to me about things when I'm like dealing with my own stuff. And it's been met with frustration for me because I feel like it hasn't acknowledged what I'm personally dealing with and just feeling like, I'm just here to be like the cleanup lady for them and be like, you know, I have my own life. Like, you know, I, and really it's because I didn't set those healthy boundaries. I didn't put them in place and I just would allow whatever was going on with them to be at the center of everything. And, and I have met them with, you know, regardless of what is going on in their life, I have kind of like put my own stuff stuff aside to like feel like that was more important and so like I was I was frustrated about that of feeling like you know what what about me like do you ever check on me do you ever see what I need but then it was like how can I get mad at them for me setting the tone and me forgetting my own self and Mm -hmm. you know um I always say like it's a gift and a curse of caring about people the way that I do because in the past I have known no bounds of where I was willing to go with them. And that has resulted in, you know, me being in grad school and having a full-time job, being in a fresh marriage and having a practicum, a full-time practicum and inviting my whole family to move in with me and, you know, helping them get through whatever hardships that they're going through and, you know, be fighting my own internal battles and just feeling like, unheard and unseen. And a part of that is because I didn't allow my full self to show up because one, I didn't feel safe. I felt like being vulnerable was something that people could take advantage of you. Um, And I didn't trust people to fully see me not being strong, right? I didn't fully trust that I could be vulnerable. Um, And then I would be mad at them for not fully seeing me but it's like you didn't even show up like you know Mm -hmm. so I would say like that's something that I have felt misunderstood from my siblings of of like damn I know I'm strong but like I ain't that strong like I ain't over here like superwoman you know and sometimes feeling like invisible or like their stuff takes precedent over my own stuff But then I, like, in being reflective, I realized, like, I set that tone. Like, I have allowed them to think that that's the way that our interactions were. And so, like, in more present things, I have been, like, I'm still careful about how vulnerable I am with other people. But 
I have been more clear of like, I, I don't have the bandwidth to take care of this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to do the work. I can't fight this for you. Um, I've been very clear about that now where in the past I would just like take it on and, and be frustrated, but like still trying to figure out how to maneuver through all of that. And it just wasn't fair for me and I wasn't feeling heard. So like now I'm, I'm more open and honest with my siblings about my limitations, but I'm also more open and honest about boundaries that I have with my siblings. Like, you know, when our mom passed, I held a lot of resentment towards my siblings because they had their own internal issues that they were dealing with. And I felt very robbed from fully having the experience to grieve my mother the way that I feel like any child would want to grieve their their parent, losing their parent, um, because I just had so much going on that I did not have time to deal with my own feelings. And so the way I was able to get through that was just to make myself go completely numb and then mm-hmm. just go into like work mode of like, you've got these problems, like resolve them. You don't have time for feelings. And I was mad at my siblings for a significant time because I felt like their behaviors did not allow me grace to fully dig into those feelings. But I also was mad and I think it's still an aspect that I'm dealing with now is like we've had all these sudden losses. Like I said, you know, we lost my mother very suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, we have their children that we're raising, which we love and, you know, so willing to do that. We had to do a custody battle for my two nephews. So that was around the same time that my mom passed, which was exhausting and financially a lot. Um, and then, um, you know, again, dealing with my, my siblings and just the things that they have going on and then losing my uncle losing dash and now losing my grandfather like it's just been a lot um and frustrated that i can't fully have the space and i don't think that i don't want to say that everyone is given the full space of of grieving when they go through stuff because i feel like you know there's different levels that people um grieve like you can grieve a job you can grieve at the ending of relationship like there's just different levels of grief um but i feel like sometimes people are a little bit more understanding of certain things but i feel like when my mom passed that was like the you know the thing that kind of broke the dam i feel like so many people looked out for my sisters because of just them in the situations that they were in and and being very protective and concerned about them. And I don't feel like people gave me that same grace. Mm. Um, And it was just like, you're the strong one, right? Like you're the strong one. You're the one who like has it together. And like, it was like a no brainer of like, when I was like, oh, I have the kids. Everybody was like, yeah, we knew you would have the kids. And like, but it was like, yeah, I had the kids, but it's still a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I lost my right. mom. Like, you know, I I lost these people. Um, mm-hmm. And I wear it well, like, you know, but it's it's a struggle, right? Like, it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I would say like that's one of the things that has left me misunderstood with my siblings is like, yes, I wear it well and I have overcome a lot and I I have done a lot of inner work to work on grieving, but the misunderstanding is like that my siblings don't fully see me completely and they haven't really given me the grace that I feel like they should um, with losing people. But I also feel like they haven't given me the grace to fully grieve either. You know, I've had to Mm -hmm. be concerned about other people and, and be reactive to other situations and that that takes away from you right like that takes away from your experience and you only have so much in the tank daily um and so like if you're given you know you got all these fires to put out you don't have a lot left to be like okay i still got this fire going like it's not turned into a while so i don't have to you know, put too much resources in there today. It's like a little, you know, fire, but it's contained. So it can, I can let it burn, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit longer. So right. I feel like that's, that's definitely something with my siblings of like, you know, when they're, they're going through their own thing. And then the other side of that too, is like, when I talked about this of like, when I saw my sister on senior night and being like, my person, like we've been through these same experience. Like she gets me in ways that no one else gets me. I feel like when we lost my mom, I didn't have that, you know, my people, like I didn't have that. Like one of the things I was so happy for my cousins to see was like when their father died, the way they came together, like was so beautiful, like how they came together and supported each other and just like got, you know, got all his service up together. And it was just so emotionally, you know, and and he passed away very suddenly. Um, But just seeing like how they held each other down and like, you just know, like, damn, like they've been through some stuff, but like they got each other's back. And I feel like that was a big opponent that was missing in my own relationship and kind of made me like envious was like, you know, damn, like the two people who also have been hit with this like very sudden and tragic loss. I can't even like confide in them because I don't even fully identify with where we're at right now. Like they're not in the same place. Like this loss the way that we view this loss is very different. Like, you know, we're just not in the same place. And although we had these same experiences, we lost a very important member of our family. Um, I kind of feel like I was on an island. Like, I still feel like I'm on an island. Like, you know, I lost Mm -hmm. my mom, but my two siblings who lost her as well are not even the headspace where we can come together and like use each other as like, you know, kind of build with each other and be like, damn, we lost someone and like we can get through this together. Like I felt like it's just one of those like you gotta kind of figure it out on your own. Cause they just place. So I would say like that's that is a a multi layered thing of like being mad at them for not allowing me to be able to fully grieve these losses, but also being mad at them because I can't 
grieve these losses with them together. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. I guess I never really thought about all of those components that you mentioned. I mean, I it's a complex. It's 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 a complex thing to explore and to um like to figure out like what do I do with all of this? You know what I mean? I have all of these these things that I'm battling. Um what do I do with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So question seven, I kind of answered. I don't know if you want to add anything to this, um, but share a story that showcases the power of forgiveness in a sibling relationship. Essentially, like, yeah, me and my twin, we've definitely had our differences and, and challenges. And the way I've chosen to forgive is to recognize uh, kind of the theme that I've talked about when talking about my dad and talking about my mom is, is just realizing that people come to these experiences with the uh the skills that they have and oftentimes they don't have any right <laughs> and so they're not able to show up for you in a way that is supportive and that is respectful and that is truly honoring you as the person but also in that relationship and i think my brother just has his own challenges um and while i do think that he's gotten better at addressing them I think that I can forgive that um, I can forgive him because I'm in a different place. And like what was once acceptable is not acceptable anymore. Right. There's no way in the life that I'm living today that I would accept some of that stuff. But and, you know, I can create space for the fact that because I'm different he's going to have to be different in our relationship too. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what happens when you set boundaries and when you set, you know, those parameters is that if people want to be in a relationship with you, they have to change as well, you know? And even them changing might just be that they're just, they are aware and um, mindful of your new boundaries, right? That that's the way that they have to navigate. So that's really how I've forgiven him. Um, I'm. I, I get where he was. I have empathy for that. And I'm different now. So those things, you know, while they 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 do still have space to happen, um, the missing piece of of why things were happening that way was because I wasn't taught to set any boundaries. And like that's not the case anymore. So Yeah. I, I like that you talked about boundaries because I think that that's important, right? And I think that's something that has shown up in these different series or this series of relationship and in all these different relationships with ourselves and others is like healthy boundaries are so key. Um, and I would say like with my siblings, I have kind of harnessed the the idea and concept around forgiveness for a lot of things. And I feel like I have constantly been there for them. And to this day, you know, if my siblings call me and they are in need of something with limitations um, and I'm able to do it, I definitely do it. Um, But I think one of the things ways that I am harnessing forgiveness, the power of forgiveness is loving them with limitations. 
Right. I think like that for me is so important. Um, especially with all the losses that we have experienced, I will never completely, you know, stop that interaction because I love my siblings. But I also know like in the current situation that it's in, I don't feel like they can fully love me the way that I need them to. And so like a part of that forgiveness is understanding that they're in their own limitations and that they have their own individual work that they need to do and heal from. And that that lack of personal work is impacting their ability to love me fully because they don't Mm -hmm. fully love themselves. And so like, that's where I'm practicing forgiveness is like, I can't ask people to show up and be a certain way for me if they're not doing that for themselves. And sometimes a way of forgiveness is knowing that people have their limitations and loving them from afar and so that they do the work that is needed in order to have a healthy relationship with themselves to then be able to start working on their relationship with others. I know that it starts with yourself and that relationship with self is so important and it's just not there. And so it's unrealistic for me to expect to them to pour into our relationship when their relationship with themselves is is at such a pivotal and um, lacking place. So that's that's where I'm choosing to forgive. And I also think like the other aspect of forgiveness that is a work in progress is that I'm raising their children and I know how it was um, being raised by a adult um, who did not make the best decisions and that their decisions impacted us. And for a while, I was very hurt. They made similar decisions that my mom did, knowing the um, severe impact that it had on us growing up and then mm-hmm. wanted to repeat that. And I know that it's not always a choice, right? Like if we're not healed, a lot of times we repeat cycles that we experienced. Um, So I do know that, like logically I know that. And I understand like the cycles that they have repeated were cycles that my mom also repeated. And it's just like one of those things that you don't heal. Your life kind of just like has this way of like repeating things from prior generations. Um, So I'm, I try to practice forgiveness and, and their limitations for their children and knowing like, I can't fully teach these kids how to overcome the experiences that they had if I don't find forgiveness for their parents. Um, Yeah. And also teach them how to love their parents while setting healthy boundaries. So that's one of the things that I'm practicing of uh, forgiveness. And and I can say that it is a work in progress because it's hard to forgive when someone is continuously um, ripping off the Band-Aid or ripping off the scab and, you know, inflicting the same um, injury or causing a new injury. But I think in forgiveness, and we talked about this in our other series, it's like, you can forgive and you can choose to how you want to move forward. And it may not be that you have an active relationship with that person, 
right? Um, And I think that that's where I'm at with my siblings is like, I love them. I want the best for them. But I've kind of come to the awareness of where I was with my mom. It's like, you can't love someone through their own journey. Like you can't, your love is not enough to bring someone out of a journey. They have Mm -hmm. to find that inner love for themselves and do the work. You can love them from the boundaries that you set forth and love them from afar and wish the best for them. And with limitations, be willing to help them in any way that you can, as long as it doesn't come at a cost to you. And that's where I think I'm at with my siblings is that I love them. I want the best for them. I hope that they see all of the goodness that I see in them. But I have to put boundaries in place because I can't just, I can't go and have a relationship like I've had in the past with my mom. Like as an adult, I realized like that, that relationship was draining Mm -hmm. and I can't do that again because I can't allow it to cost me what it did when I was a child. Like now I'm older, I have these, you know, I have knowledge and experience and tools and I need to implement them. Cause I'm not that inner child Devron anymore. Like mm-hmm. you just can't do yeah. that. So I think like that's, that's one of the ways that I'm choosing to showcase the power of forgiveness is forgiving them for their limitations and accepting their limitations, but also putting forth healthy boundaries for myself. Cause that's yeah. what I need to do to it in order to move forward. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a, a good place to to end the um episode on our sibling relationships um i didn't shed tears like i expected i would so <laughs> you know and there's nothing wrong with tears you're going to hear me say but i know that i you know sometimes people's sensitivity can be off-putting um and i i i often do think that when i um you know, when I do display that, because I know that it can be, it could be off putting for some people, but you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> so in terms of soaring, I know we, we, you know, for those of you who don't know, we are recording all these episodes in one sitting. So, um, is there anything that you want to add to, um, soaring for the next, the next few weeks? I think the the way that I am choosing to soar is just continue to doing self-reflection and working mm-hmm. on myself. Like I think we yeah. we covered throughout this this series thus far is like the personal work never stops. And yeah. I think that you as long as you continue to be reflective, you're gonna always identify a area of growth potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I'm just going to continue to do that work. You know, I, I meet with, I do have a therapist that I really love and has brought so much insight into my life. And so I am going to continue to be self-reflective, identify more areas of growth. And my goal is to never stop growing, never stop reflecting on areas that I can improve on because I'm not perfect or imperfect (laughs) people. Um, and so like, that's just another part that I'm choosing to soar of just like checking in with myself, being vulnerable with myself and knowing parts of me that still, you know, 
got some sprouts coming up and just need to mm-hmm. be watered and, you know, yeah. sowed and that's the way I'm just choosing to add to that. What about you? I would say the same. You know, I, I think that um, I have to balance that with obviously wanting to continue to grow and be mindful of areas that need to grow, but also recognizing that I'm not like a project that needs to be fixed, that I'm I'm okay with with where I am. And there are still things that I need to, that I want to work on. So just keeping that mindset for these next two weeks again. Um, so piggybacking off of, of, of your, um, your idea of soaring for the next two weeks is similar to mine. Yeah. So we will continue soaring and at times gliding because you're not always going to yes. be soaring. But the, yes, the main yes. takeaway is that we don't stop flying um, mm-hmm. and that we are continuously being in the sky. And we hope that you guys are continue to soar or glide, whichever you need for the next coming weeks. And I think the next episode will be on a series of relationships with peers and romantic partners. So looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Again, if yes. you guys have any questions, comments, you want to add to the discussion, something you want us to cover, please feel free to inbox us on our social media. Our email is also on our social media. So you can send us an email, um, comment, like, and subscribe. Absolutely. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in and allowing us to be vulnerable together as we soar. If you enjoyed this episode and are interested in hearing more from us, make sure you hit that follow button so you are alerted when a new episode drops and leave a rating and a review below. Our podcast can be found on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments and how you're choosing to soar these next couple of weeks. Interact with us on Instagram at But What If I Soar as well as on our business pages at Free To Be Counseling Services and at Social MacGyver. Let's continue ascending or gliding even amongst the turbulence.